welcome back to First Flight. Uh, we've, we've, we've just saved Cheltenham. Hey. And no one even knew it was in, in trouble. I know. Well, no, not really. Where's my parade? That's all I want. <laughs> what? You've yeah, got, you've got hundreds think... of zombified ham stompers. What more do you want? That is true. But I think every RPG we do should end with a, with an episode that's just a parade. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like the parade. I want, I want cardboard cutouts of rows of people as we get medals. You're slipping into I want that kind again. of thing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, really, it's only like Caesar's only ever like a moment away, like with yeah. Ali. I think, I think that's... Just under the surface. <laughs> Thanks. It's actually just kind of convenient that you have finally had a character where you could put like these megalomaniacal <laughs> urges into, yes. you know? Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Yeah, it was about time. In fact, our listeners were ready finally for the real me. If you rearrange the letters Caesar Breeze, you get Alice Angel. <gasps> it's been there all along. The most silent A's. <laughs> Caesar. So yeah, how how are you guys? How 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 is life and wonderfulness and whatever? All good. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. good. Although I do miss Cheltenham Nights. I've got to say, oh. like it was a lot of fun. It really was. I am looking forward, obviously, to getting back on the um, on the cuckoos experience, obviously. But it's a <laughs> shame we can't experience. have it both running at the same time. Well, we can if we don't want any spare time in, ever again. <laughs> yeah, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> it was, yeah, it was great. Like, um, I don't know. I, I, I think, like, um, although no fireballs were ever thrown, like, mm. that was kind of like the, the general... Uh, cathartic vibe I got from the whole thing. It's like, yeah, now I just I get to go around like wrecking shit, and <laughs> it was it was a lot of fun. And wrecking yeah, my hometown you were, as yeah, well. You were very much the wrecker, like for someone who who was a sort of like uh, urban wizard. You destroyed a lot of urban environments. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I feel like Cheltenham might have words with you at some point, Mark. You know. Oh, it's fine. Like he's got the protection of Honeybourne, yeah. I guess. It's, it's funny, isn't it? Like. Because we've done, obviously, we've done a few little variants now, and obviously, we did um, oh, um, worm, mm. which was yes. a, which was a load mm -hmm. of fun as well. Uh, it's interesting that like uh, everyone does seem to gravitate to a character type that kind of like matches them a little bit in, in, <laughs> in some way, like in, in each version. Like, um, well, the thing is though, is that I feel like that actually didn't happen so much in Cheltenham Nights. Oh, okay. Like, I felt like everyone kind of turn upturned the the sort of expectations a little bit i don't know i don't know i mean Do I, I know you well like for example when you were fang ali you were mm -hmm. this old wise leader and then suddenly you flip to caesar who is this sort of naive like idiot <laughs> yes i guess he was the exact opposite because he thought he was the leader and amazing and powerful but fang and didn't have a megalomaniac bone in her body I, I, you know? no, that's I, true. I think each of those characters had a slightly loose grasp on reality I, I feel <laughs> like um, that's probably true just that's like us true. yeah um yeah I, I suppose that's fair I suppose that is fair yeah and I know you have a DM Nick in Worm but like I felt like um I was pretty wacky you always always <laughs> cracking jokes this guy um but yeah I thought that like Kinley just being like this kind of like really just happy-go-lucky, like, kind of party animal, like, all the time. I mean, we've seen you dance. Like, we kind of... It, it, seemed, it seemed very true to to you. 
I think that's probably fair. <laughs> yeah, I think Kinley is the personification of how I dance. Like, <laughs> if my dancing style could be put into a person, it would be Kinley. Mm. Yes, because it does look like you're trying to face through a wall when you're dancing. <laughs> <laughs> but always failing at it. Yeah. I think I failed phasing through walls more often than I succeeded. Yeah. I'm, I'm just going to put that think, out yeah. there. Yeah. <laughs> you, um, um, you diving through a glass window in like the finale was kind of um, <laughs> spectacular. <laughs> I love that the decision was, right, Nick, are you going to phase for this one? No, no. No, I'm going fully solid for this one. Let's go. I'm going to become more... Uh, more I've already dense. forgotten the term. No, when you, you add corruption. Yeah, that's it. You become oh, more right, corrupted yeah. specifically just so you can smash the window. Yeah, I could do it without corruption, but I'm not going <laughs> to. I did love how it became a race to the bottom and we were yeah. all absolutely yeah. determined to I was, be... I mean, I knew from the start that... Look, looking at how like the level up systems worked i was like you could level up multiple times during like even just a short campaign i wasn't mm. expecting you to all go straight for the dark side um, oh yeah no. for sure <laughs> well we didn't um we didn't we all we all leveled up once didn't we true leveling up, up like, we only in corruption i think i leveled up a few oh if, if corruption i didn't realize corruption counted as a level up as well, well I, yeah, I, then I, in that case yeah, yeah. It's when we talk about what the, the actual source book will come into this but yeah basically there were two different level up tracks so you get right. more powerful, oh, I see. like three, I, two completely different ways. So a row of corruption is five. Yeah. I went through it three and a half times. What? Wow. <laughs> oh my god! I just went through mine twice. Well, Mark was. I mean, like my my biggest character development was going through it once. Like yeah. actually, just yeah. get like finally, yeah. finally getting that dark arts towards the end was fantastic. But I think also just to just to finish that thought off, Mark as well, because we haven't talked about Mark and 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 your sort of playing of him. I thought he was really, really different again as well. <laughs> like, because, like, I thought it was obvious. Well, not obvious, but I thought, yeah, jo John will want to be a wizard. John loves the idea of an urban wizard. I thought that was brilliant. Mm. But the fact that he was kind of, like, <laughs> like more, what's the word, incompetent than he was willing to admit, <laughs> I think that was absolutely brilliant. And the fact Wasn't that, that Kate... all of us? Yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah, kind of. Well, except Kinley never That's... tried to pretend that he that was any more That should be the subtitle of Cheltenham Nights of this series is more incompetent than we cared to admit. <laughs> I think that sums it up perfectly. It does, to be fair, it does. But um, well, I mean, but yeah, but I really, yes. I really liked Mark. I really liked Mark as well. Well, thank yeah. you. I, I, I was, I mean, like, yeah, I mean, it's right up. I mean, it's like he was made for me. I mean, because I guess he, he, he kind of was, but like, yeah, just like a slightly <laughs> pretentious um, kind of thirty-something urbanite who um, again, a midlife crisis. Yeah, ha <laughs> yeah, slowly having a midlife crisis over the course of a series was kind of like. Uh, yeah, I was like, oh yeah, this is totally me. I was kind of, I was kind of worried that like it <laughs> became like Mark became a bit of a, I don't know, like I didn't want him to kind of like dominate the scenes, and I, I felt there were times when it he did a little bit just because no, he. I, didn't I don't think know. So. I feel like I feel like I don't think you dominated for for starters, but I feel like every RPG I've ever played certainly there's usually a leader. There's yeah. usually someone who has to, who everyone else makes the silly jokes and someone makes the big decisions because otherwise mm. we'd all just procrastinate and make the silly jokes and nothing would ever happen. <laughs> and I think, yeah. I think Mark did his fair share of, of silliness as well. Don't get me wrong. We all did in Cheltenham Nights, I think. But I think Mark was very much that sort of central thread that kept things moving forward, which I think yes. was really, really and really I think good. that makes sense in the story as well. You know, yeah. Mark had uh, stakes Ambition. in this game. Like he is part of Cheltenham, you know, he... A bit, Cheltenham's a big part of him 
he wouldn't want to see it destroyed. Kenny's already dead. Caesar's not from here. <laughs> he would destroy it anyway. Kenny so will be fine. No one cares that... about Kenny if he dies. <laughs> yeah. I had to keep, when I was playing, I had to keep embodying this, because I've never played someone who's already dead, obviously, before. So I had to keep embodying this idea that I, I might just not care. If everything starts to get really bad, I might just not care and walk away because yeah. it doesn't affect me. And uh, that was quite kind of challenging, actually. I always, I've always thought, like, reading through the various archetypes in Urban Shadows, I thought the Spectre is a bit of a weird one. Because mm. they're actually quite limited. Like, yeah. your, 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 your fact that you're already dead and you can only be, like, two of three things at any one moment actually yeah. does kind of limit your interaction with the world. Like, you can just walk around non-corporeal the whole time and nothing can ever hurt you. <laughs> it's, <laughs> and that's the thing as well, is that, like, quite often in battles you would say, you know, Nick, are you corporeal? And yeah. I'd be like, well, I'm not, because I, <laughs> the last thing I did, mm. I, I phased through something. And so your attacks just wouldn't land on me. Yeah. But then simultaneously I had nothing I could do in battle. But well, yet, amazingly, it worked out really, really well. And I, mm. I think, like, I felt, I never felt depowered. I never felt like I had no options. And I really enjoyed playing Kinley, like, massively. <laughs> I guess, like... I think... Oh, sorry, I was no, just going to say. An yeah. interesting dynamic, just that your limitation is your strength, is all I was going to say, you know. Yeah, yeah. You're non-corporeal, it's a limitation, but yeah, it's yeah. interesting. It's certainly like a bit, it would be a bit of a challenge, because I, I guess like, because um, everything owes a debt to D&D, &D just for being like there first and being mm. like really big and successful. But I guess like, it, it is combat orientated. Like mm. you come to an RPG yeah. now and you kind of assume that there will be fighting. Like, you know. Yeah. And to play a character who can't do that, whether through choice or otherwise, it, 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 I guess it does require a different way of thinking. Mm. And actually, that was something but, that, was, that really kind of attracted me to Urban Shadows like to start with, is that of the Apocalypse games that I'm aware of, this one in particular is very like, de-emphasized with combat. Like, really, yeah. there's mm. only one combat move of the... <laughs> Of the moves, there's there's one yeah, that's, that's so like attack mm. something. Everything else is like persuade someone, get away, like figure something out. It's all yeah, confused. It's really them. cool. And when I first read through that, I was a bit uh, miffed because mm. we Nick and I are both Dungeons and Dragons Dragons players. Um, we and I know Lucy and John, yeah, you've, yeah. you've obviously played in the past. I was like, where where's the rest of the rules? They're all in it? here and we, we, we can discuss that at some point. Yeah. But in terms of what a player needs to know, it's very light yes. on rules. And at first I yeah. thought this is going to be a weird experience. Yeah. Um, but actually it really opens it up to much more character led stuff mm. um, rather than determined by the roll of the dice. Caesar could choose you know, yeah. what he was going to do. He had much more freedom to do that. Um, and I, I really enjoyed it. Yeah, I, It's interesting, isn't it? Because I, I guess, like, it's something like D&D, &D, at the same time, has it, it has both, like, tongues of rules and then also kind of, like, complete freedom. And sometimes yeah. they, can, they can both be a bit paralyzing. Like, yeah. you know, when you're in that situation and there's clearly, like, a puzzle or... Um, maybe like a person you've got to make sense of and you, you just can't do it. Like as, as a player, you're like, I don't know what I'm expected to do to solve um, yeah. this puzzle. Whereas like one thing that's kind of cool about this system is because you only ever really have like seven moves, you know, you know, if you're trying, you're talking to like a mysterious like NPC in, in another RPG, you might have to go like, Oh, what do I ask him? What do I try and learn yeah. from him? But if like figure someone out is just a move, it kind yeah. of like might stop you ever being stuck in those yeah. kind of scenarios. 
I completely yeah. agree with that. I think quite often, like, and certainly in D&D, the experience is you have to say the right thing, you know, in order for the DM to be able to progress you. You need to learn about the chest that's hidden in the cave. And if you haven't got the conversation to that point, then you simply won't. But mm. this system is so much more engineered, like a step back from that. So that, you know, like if there's something I need to know, I can basically do a move that asks the DM, what do I need to know here? And if I'm successful, the DM will tell me, yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and I really, I really like that. Yeah, yeah. That's just reinforcing what you said, John. But yeah, exactly. How did, how did you find that Lucy from the other side of the, of yeah. that? Well, I think um, I, I'm pretty sure there's plenty of moments where I simply forgot to ask you to roll. That's one thing. Like, <laughs> I think um, definitely I, I enjoy that I could just let your characters like, go at it like just talk 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 and see what happened and like let you we react. Did a lot of that <laughs> yeah because that was something that kind of worried me right from the start is that it, it says in the book that the master of ceremonies should plan as little as possible um and that's let, terrifying and let the plot so crazy. be kind of dictated by what you do so yeah, yeah i really did have i had like um maybe we can talk a little bit about what the actual like master of ceremonies side of this looks like because obviously I, I know you guys haven't really seen that um yeah sure but um, basically, I, as the Master of Ceremonies, set up storms and countdown clocks. That's what they're called in the book. So oh, um, each of the monarchs was a storm. So they right. were an antagonist, basically. And then each of them had a countdown clock. And as you defeated each one, I had a, like a list of five things that would happen as the game progressed if you didn't defeat the monarchs. So um, <laughs> oh, basically, right. when like the first thing was... You were all kind of faffing about in the room at the start, like not talking about not really wanting to get involved. Okay, fine. First thing on the countdown clock, it starts raining. Yeah. <laughs> and, oh, okay. And so cool. I had I had clocks for each of the um, each of the monarchs and for the borough as a whole. Um, and basically, yeah, I just they they kind of informed the world around you. And if you'd let it go on too long, like people in the town would have started dying you know it's like oh. that's the that's oh, that kind makes of, it makes me feel like we did quite well now <laughs> so that, that's kind of how um as an mc i pushed the story forward without actually planning it out so much it's just like it, basically i can i can advance a countdown clock anytime you fail at something potentially oh, okay um anytime you offer me some golden opportunity like you've you know, said something, <laughs> done something that would cause that antagonist to act a certain way, whether or not they're immediately in the vicinity or not. Um, and I think there was one more as well. It was like, um, I was supposed to advance the countdown clock at the start of every session. But since we were doing oh. quite short sessions, I only did that if it kind of made sense. Because I was like, I think if we were playing this in a non-podcast capacity, we may have played for longer per session. So you'd have got more done before the countdown mm -hmm. clock started up mm -hmm. again. Um, sure. But yeah, you got, um, you stopped the Borough's countdown clock at stage three. Um, okay. You stopped Earth's at stage one. Uh, air got to stage three as well, and water got all the way to stage four. Right. <laughs> really? Okay. Yeah. So, because obviously, um, I don't, I'm not that we were kind of like guided. It's not that we were forced to do it, but like the Earth court kind of definitely presented itself first yes yeah it just yeah. i i wanted to have that first session quite planned out even though they were saying don't plan stuff because i was like obviously we're <laughs> also learning to play the game so i really wanted to like breadcrumb it for you to start with yeah for sure but yeah post the devil's chimney i had very little specific planned um, so <laughs> so but potentially like if if things had gone differently so did you always know that the course of water would be like the primary yes yeah. antagonist okay okay water was always yeah. supposed to be um 
because in 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 order to set up a storm, you pick a threat type and then a subtype. And waters was the the threat was revolution, um, oh, okay. and the subtype was strike, which means focusing on respect and security. Um, and basically, the other storms fed into water, so it was like you know, um, airs was power play uh, with a subtype of alliance, which basically meant that air was like beholden to water to do something. And that's kind of a similar how I went for Earth, although Earth had the subtype of faint. It's like Earth didn't really want to get involved, um, <laughs> but had to look like they were getting involved. Hmm, um, okay. But yeah, if that's for example, cool. if you had attacked the hands in the graveyard rather than like not attacked them and tried to actually communicate with them, Earth would have turned against you and you wouldn't have had like Woodchi oh. on your side and you wouldn't have oh. you would have had to have fought your way into the um the earth caverns and to the relic. That's but cool. Like, That's really cool. So that was kind of how oh. I like, so I had that first bit planned out and then I was trying to like let you decide what happened next. Like I was amazed, Alice, that, Ali, that you like went for the whole air is ridiculously bureaucratic thing. Because <laughs> I was kind of thinking along those lines. Like my, my basic idea for how Caesar had ended up in this plot, and I don't want to put like uh-huh. words in your character's mouth here, but was that basically Air had delegated it down to the point where Caesar had been sent and nobody knew what the original message was anymore. Like, it had just been, like, telephoned down until you, you just... you ended Which is up being, kind of what it ended yeah. up being. Yeah. And then, yeah, I thought it was great that you just... You completely ran with that feeling and went for the whole, they're ridiculously bureaucratic, there's forms everywhere, yeah. nobody knows. And I just went with it because I was like, that's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> so that was... I had a lot of fun with that. So, I, I mean, like... I know this game is meant it hinges a lot upon like um intrigue and dialogue and, and talking your way out of scenarios. Um I feel we accomplished that with kind of like mixed success, like yeah. in general. Yeah. <laughs> um but you're saying if we'd gone in more kind of guns blazing, things could have been a lot worse. Yeah. Basically. Yeah, basically. I had plans for, you know, like the the powers at the various um like um courts could have thrown at you the different elementals that they could have thrown at you um obviously water was just going to be always antagonistic no matter what you did like there was no real persuading her <laughs> um, but yeah that. it you know you the, the golems that you met in like the um under the devil's chimney had attacks which they just never did because you've not oh, right. annoyed them oh cool. <laughs> i like that though I, like, I remember we discussed something similar in worm when we were talking about escaping or going up to the mountain, you found mm. the abandoned village. And it was because Ali had attracted oh, them all yeah. down yeah. to the forest. And it was kind of a similar situation where when you got there, I could have provided another threat for you, but I didn't want to because I wanted your actions to have consequences. And I feel like this is kind of similar to what, what Lucy did here is because we didn't attack the, the mud hands. Mm. The earth court weren't angry at us. So they were just like, hey. Yeah. <laughs> and, and that's brilliant because yeah. like at the time it feels a little bit like, oh, this is going really really well but there's actually logic behind all of this that's spinning mm. away that makes it all make sense and i love that uh so yeah, yeah um do you guys have like any questions about what happened and why and when because you did miss a few things so i don't oh, know how oh, much that oh. i don't oh, know how much that kind of yeah that's gonna be question sense. one what did well, we miss? for example did we miss? the um uh the ticket to the races would have acted as the soul relic that was uh, oh um, <laughs> I felt like the the soul of Cheltenham was gambling, basically. Like, <laughs> oh yeah, okay, that makes sense. Yeah, I like that. Um, yeah. 
And there was actually a power source in the corpus house that would have let you teleport the house or do any <gasps> other major magic. Um, oh. But because you didn't go in, Mark, and Kinley failed at searching the place and wouldn't have recognised <laughs> it anyway. <laughs> you didn't I wouldn't get have. It. Okay, um, I've, I've got to know about that. Was there a way that Mark could have got into the house? Yeah. I mean, yeah, Kinley could have tried to unlock it from the inside. <laughs> yeah, I did. I failed at that. I think. Oh, yeah. yeah. I, I failed a lot of checks in that house. Yeah. Because yeah. I tried to throw stuff at the windows and it just like bounced off. Yeah. And everything went wrong for me in that house. Were, I'm amazed we got that book out of there. You could have, I mean, I might have allowed you to like try the back door. You know, oh, <laughs> you never, you yeah, never tried door. any no, of the other doors or windows. No. The back door was just swinging yeah. in. <laughs> I, I just assumed that like the magical protection on it, because Caesar couldn't get in. Could you like? You couldn't uh, get in as a fairy. No, I, I, my idea was, was that at some point Maria or one of her ancestors had said no fay in the house. Mm. So the moment you were fay shaped, the house kicked you back out. Um, yeah, <laughs> that was good. That. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Maybe Mark could have pushed a little harder on that one, yeah. but he was very wet at that point. <laughs> yes. Yeah. That's always the tricky thing with RPGs, isn't it? Because sometimes you'll try three things in a row and they'll all fail. And as a player, you're like, ah, the DM's telling me to give up here. But yeah. the truth is, you might that might not be the case. You may that have just, just got really unlucky. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it's really hard as a player sometimes to know which one it is. Because if you keep trying, it's not particularly good audio. Yeah. <laughs> well, the thing about that ticket was, I knew that was a weird character beat for Mark. Because I, 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 I think um, the wizard, the whole point of like a wizard sanctum mm-hmm. and the stuff you can do with it, I didn't... I don't think I really utilised in yeah, yeah. the course of the game. And that's just because I wasn't familiar with the rules and the story wasn't really going that way. But like, you know, you can kind of use it to like find a thing you need in in mm-hmm. a weird way. So you're like, oh, as a wizard, I want to do X. Like I want to do something crazy, like move the contents of a house somewhere. Yeah. Um, because that was that was the way I was thinking. Like I honestly thought there was no way into the house because it was like magically guarded. So I, I have this daft idea. Well, couldn't we just like teleport the interior of the house somewhere? And, yeah. and obviously it didn't it didn't quite work work out for Mark. So, but I I never forgot about that ticket. Like I did have it in my pocket, yeah. and I was just waiting for the moment where if I could find a, a like a suitable power source. <laughs> like hence with like when we were fighting uh, the Queen of Water at the end, like. Um, I really thought it would be a weird character beat if if suddenly if if there was like a power source I could just whip out this ticket and teleport the queen like to the race course like she'd suddenly just be like <laughs> gone. Yeah. Um. So yeah. So he probably listeners are probably thinking like why the hell has he got that ticket and he's not done anything with it like <laughs> it was always in my pocket. Yeah. It was always there. He hadn't forgotten about it. Yeah. yeah. But I mean, there, there was there wasn't too much else. I think it was just more the way you decided to play that made you kind of miss a couple of other things like um i basically i brought i had kate as like a a a standby character um and when i realized that you were very much going to be playing it like um i guess very kind of viscerally practically like out in the world doing stuff smashing buildings down breaking into buildings (laughs) i thought i better bring kate on board um because i i had thought particularly you uh, your character john mark i thought you'd be more inclined to book learn stuff so I'd put a lot of places in where you could find like local history books um, oh. that would tell you about like Henry Skillcorn and the pigeons and the, 
you know, the original yeah, that's a fair, layout that's of Cheltenham <laughs> and stuff. And you never did. So I kind of had Kate of. following you around as like a font of knowledge. And then you didn't trust her. So you never asked her anything. <laughs> well, Mark didn't trust her. I think I think the rest of us did. But <laughs> Mark was feeling very threatened. Mark is quite insecure about like being the wizard. Yeah. Yeah, but like Kate's big thing was very much um, I wanted her to be a, a very different type of wizard because I actually had her character sheet all set up in case one of you died um, ah. so you could take on char- on Kate's uh, character um, but she was I wanted her to be like as opposite Mark as possible so yeah. all of her focus was on like invisibility and shielding and wards and, like that's her kind of expertise again there she could have told you more about the wards on the corpus house if you'd asked her the right questions <laughs> ah, nuts. um so yeah i think it, i i don't know if again like did did you did anything not make sense to you guys because of stuff that was missing or like it, i don't think so no um it took me a really long time to work out what was going on with the zombified people like i <laughs> really thought that was something to do with water like i i thought the court of water was somehow mind controlling all these people for some kind of because they wait they they never outright broke into fighting did they i can't no no they remember that would have been that was on the boroughs list um and rioting i think would have been the next step um, yep. So I, yeah, I, you got to fights and riots, but then by the time you got to that point, you'd also done the ham stomp thing. So I kind of like <laughs> switched the fights and riots for their ham stomping through the town. Like, oh, it was just uh... like... <laughs> it's probably more it violent. To yeah. Be oh, it is. Yeah, it's horrible. Well, for me, like it wasn't until we got to the borough and the and the borough were like, oh yeah, we've moved everyone into the center of town, so they're safe. Yeah. And I was like, oh right. Yeah, I, was yeah, just I did. Barking I tried. Up the wrong tree. I tried to make it clearer by having like people who weren't from Cheltenham not being as like don't, as affected so like you know the bus mm. the bus drivers and the guy who's oh, working yeah, in the Eagle yeah. Star Tower <laughs> the thing is I really like that because I think that's kind of like adds to the mystery as a bait and switch kind of thing because at first mm. like when we when we were in the fountain and um and Mark and and Caesar got affected with the emotional yeah. effects of the water and everything which is of course a spell from the water yeah. the court of water like that led me down the same path i was like ah the wa- storm water is affecting the people and so that was a really good like i think bait and switch for when it was revealed that actually that's Cheltenham trying to save everyone like that was really really cool so although i didn't get that i think it was part of the story as to why that was effective if you see what i mean so I enjoyed that. Oh yeah, certainly not a criticism. It was just um, yeah, yeah, just not just your confusion. Yeah, mm. just interpreting it yeah, a bit wrong. Um, I think um, that the, some of the barriers for me with the system rather than the story was the language mm. used in the rules. Uh, sure. It took me a while to get used to that. Like hold, yeah. Like, Why is it called hold? Um, yeah, and, you can hold one or hold yeah. two. Yeah, yeah, and. Um, I guess because it's quite rules light in terms of you can only maybe do seven or so roles that I guess the descriptors have to be relatively vague and open to interpretation so that you can apply it to lots of different scenarios. That just wasn't something I was used to. I would say (laughs) the hold thing isn't helped by the fact that, you know, like if you do really well on something, it says like, oh, you know, you can hold one forward so you can Mm -hmm. kind of like boost a later role. But if you do um, let it out one of the outcomes is you can take hold of something valuable. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> which means yeah. something completely different. Yeah. I mean, it's yeah, almost I... like the 
it's almost like they tried to avoid game stats language. Yeah. Because instead of holds, they could have said you get a plus one bonus on your next roll. Yeah. But they're almost trying to avoid saying anything like that, aren't they? They're yeah, trying to keep it language are. based rather than numbers based, which I think is a really interesting yeah. thing to do. But at the same time, we do roll a dice that has a number on it. <laughs> um, so, the, yeah. I think um, the hold. The, the term hold, as far as I understand it, is kind of universal across the Apocalypse games. Mm-hmm. Um, so that just is the term that's used for have a have an action. Here is an mm-hmm. action you can take. And it's either like you can it's either magic juice and you can forward it into magic juice or it's an actual physical thing you can do right now or it's a question you can ask. It, it, that seems to be universal. But um, yes, on my on my list of thoughts about this uh, RPG system, there's a lot about just the, the language used and how how the book is written. Um, cause I know John, you've read some parts of this, um, source book. And so you can probably back me up on a bit of this, but it's really hard to find anything in this source book. It's like, I've got, I've got so many post-it notes stuck in it because it's like, oh, wow. uh, yeah. because it's so hard to just quickly find the thing you need, which it is really, really bizarre. Because it really would have benefited from like a quick reference section. Yeah. That just probably would have solved and a lot you do of problems. Have the, you do have the little kind of pamphlets that come with, so everybody gets, every um, player can have their own little playbook, and that's all you should need as a player to play, which is great, and I really like that. And there is a basic moves one as well, which I probably should have had a copy of myself to, like, quick reference to. But there's so much more flavour text in the book about how a move might work. I'd al- I would say too much flavour text. Like, this <laughs> book has so much extra wordage that has no actual bearing on the gameplay whatsoever oh. and it's also really um like it it's 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 trying for mature content you know it's like oh, really? the wording in here there's just there's so much swearing and like just reference really? to like swearing drugs in the and sex <laughs> and it's like I can see what you're going for because they're going for this like roll some fucking dice yeah <laughs> it's just, it's just I can see what they're going for because they're really trying to make this out like it's the gritty urban like thing. It's just you really shit. distracting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, that I is strange. Like, it's weird because I, I, I have I have two examples here which I'm going to try and word very carefully because it could be taken <clears> the wrong way. Um, but there are two sections of this book set in in separate parts of the book. One called queerness and one called dangerous content. And when I first saw those titles on the context on the contents page i was like oh my god what have i bought yeah <laughs> like, what hole have i fallen yeah. into oh no um, but it turns <laughs> out that basically those two sections can be boiled down to did you know that non-cis non-heterosexual people exist and two maybe don't be an asshole about that oh, like that's what right. those two sections boil down to <laughs> okay and yet the weird thing is is that i applaud the effort you know good for you for making it clear that you know all types are welcome to your game mm-hmm. most other games don't feel the need to specify that and also it has no bearing on the gameplay whatsoever like, yeah uh, that's obviously. the biggest thing i think yeah, yeah unless your character has a love interest it's not your their sexuality is not, you never roll for sexuality <laughs> like, but also no. like that's completely dependent on on the player and what yeah. they want to do and that's always going to be the case someone will play D and if they want to be a queer character in that then they will be yeah like 
the, the, the beauty of these systems is that you can be and do whatever you want to do. And that's never been in question. Yeah. So to add that as a thing, like you could be gay, it's like, well, yeah, I know. I know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, it's just, I, maybe it's kind of making a point that this is a modern RPG. Like this yeah. is a new... But that you know, sounds like what a lot of its text is trying to do, isn't it? Look how modern we yeah, are. Look how yeah. edgy we are. I find Look how it very. We are. I find it very patronising, basically. Yeah. And I don't know. Like we're all kind of, you know, fairly woke mid thirties individuals. <laughs> like maybe we don't need that pointing out to us, and that's why it feels like, well, yeah, duh. Yeah. But, you know, maybe. if if you're, you know, in your teens and picking this up as your first RPG, maybe you do need that pointed out to you. You know. Or maybe it's maybe you know maybe if you're a young teen and and you know you are um non-cis for example yeah. and, and you pick that up and you see that section maybe that's like oh wow that's yeah, really make, cool makes you feel more you welcome may... yeah yeah mm. so i mean i don't want to yeah we shouldn't probably decry no i mean the message it, but... is is good the message is good obviously yeah, it's, just it's just interesting that they felt the need to say it at all yeah. when yeah. most rpgs are the exact place to experience someone else's life or to express your true you know how you feel inside yeah. um be whatever you, know. you want exactly like, yeah. yeah it's just interesting that they needed or felt the need yeah. to include that but the message obviously yeah. is uh, that's is why i was one. trying to word it very carefully because i just felt that yeah. it was it was the perfect example of the problem i have with this is that there's an yeah. awful lot of words that have no bearing on actually playing the game <laughs> <laughs> it's like, and the fact that those two sections are actually pretty sizable chunks of the book as well really? that's mad as well like why is there so much to say there yeah. like <laughs> um, and it's weird and then i have problems like there's there's actual errors in the book like just actual oh. like mistakes. Like they say that there are seven basic moves. They then list eight, eight basic moves. Um, oh, oh. <laughs> um, but the thing is that the eighth one is oh, actually yeah. the I'm lender counting hand. Them now and then. Yeah, yes. the eighth one is actually the lender hand move, which of course uses your faction stat. So it should be in the faction moves. It should be in the faction section. moves. Yeah, um, that could yeah. be a layout mistake actually. Yeah, Ooh, um, I don't know. But so it's just stuff like that. But I really liked the multiple level up tracks. Like I thought that yep. that that led to a lot of kind of really interesting gameplay stuff, and the way that you kind of I liked how all of you tried to make sense of which one you picked, given what yeah. was kind of happening at the time. Mm. Um, and I really liked the playbooks, like the little like two page pamphlets yeah. that you can just hand yeah. out to people. That's that's a really cool idea. The and if we if we're going to apply anything, because the whole point of playing mm-hmm. is one of the whole point, but one of the points of playing these games is to is to see what we can sort of borrow and tweak to add to our mm. game. And I think like these little fold out like pamphlet versions for the character archetypes. That's mm. really cool. That's really well. Good. I mean, John, you've been playing around with trying to get stats for our characters in Cuckoo's as clearly and concisely laid out as possible. And I think yeah. you've done a really good job of it. But oh, thank you. Yeah, maybe maybe you could almost uh, allow yourself a bit more space because you know, <laughs> this is a double-sided fold-out yeah, it's, thing. Yeah, it's interesting. I think um, I think definitely like, because uh, uh, powered by the apocalypse or the apocalypse system, Urban Shadows, um, the other one would be Monster of the Week, which of course we, we haven't tried, but we've listened to a podcast where they have played it. Yeah. Definitely stat light systems which is kind of like um was kind of like a big an indirect influence on where we were going because we always lucy i mean you always wanted like the first flight system to be you know easy on the stats yeah and in our first couple of attempts we ended up adding more and more stats to try and make sense of stuff and in this latest revision which we're going to be trying in the next um the next campaign we're bringing it bringing it right back down again and definitely yeah hand on heart taking inspiration from this this kind of system 
Yeah. Mm. And who knows? Maybe we'll find that that's a bit restrictive. Maybe we do want more, but this would be well, a playtesting. You know, I'm wondering as well whether part of part of what's been happening with us in first flight is is due to our own kind of naivety of, of role playing. And we've we've now played quite a variety between between all of us. And I certainly think this game has been quite eye opening, not just from the system, but from how to play within it. And it might mean that it changes how we play within first flight a little bit, mm. you know, um, and maybe having less uh, complexity. Maybe that was something we needed because we were you know well certainly i'm speaking for myself here more naive and mm. i felt like i needed stats to back me up whereas now i feel more confident to gameplay without any stats behind me at all you know and so maybe capello is going to be able to be a little bit more you know uh richer i guess uh, despite the fact that the system has become simpler i don't know well i do i, I gotta say i'm not sure if something uh will draw upon or copy however you want to put it but like i am fascinated by this idea of like seven moves like things you can always do in a scenario yeah, and that is cool yeah i think I've, i think that's going to be in the back of my mind and, and we'll see yeah. whether something like that or, would ever be of use or maybe eight eight moves if we've got you know the four different colors the four different mm -hmm. you know you've got power and soul things like that uh you know two moves within each which is very much what they've done here mm. you know blood heart yeah. mind and spirit that's true yeah that's, they've got the four categories haven't they here mm. but um did? yeah yeah just uh, i just had a thought like going back to like the characters and stuff sure and, and and lucy was saying like you know things we missed in the story was there anything about like your characters and like their backstory which like never came across or anything yes. like that <laughs> oh yeah so much yes <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. that's a good that's a good um, that's a good one to, to, to introduce actually uh, yeah. who wants to go first I won't go first because I'm pulling up my notes on Dropbox because <laughs> I can't remember all of them. Well, I could go first if you like because <laughs> yeah, th there's, there's really just one big central thing for Kinley and that was, of course, the tattooist. Yeah. And, um, mm -hmm. and I, I, I was not expecting Lucy to to weave that in somehow. It's not, that's not really what I'm saying, but it was more that maybe it was on me to some extent. I don't know. Um, but I was, when we um, first teleported from uh, having fought and having got the water uh, treasure, um we were in that space and a person appeared and the episode ended and i was like oh it's the tattooist that's who that is <laughs> and in my head that's that's what i thought was happening but then it turned out to be cheltenham which was actually cooler uh, infinitely cooler than that but yeah um that was my my that kinley's whole thing is to like why do you get the tattoos why why do you keep uh, restrained in cheltenham and i did have at the back of my head all the time like when's the right time to potentially mm. you know play that card but it, it never really it never really had a place well, but um mm -hmm. but yeah. i mean to be honest nick you weren't wrong. Um. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> oh, what? You're saying Cheltenham was the tattooist? Yeah. Yeah. Ah. I should have put that together because she did say hello, Kinley, when, yeah. when we arrived, which is what made me think like, oh, like they know me kind of thing. <laughs> but like, oh, so it was all part of their big plan. Yeah. Yeah. Ah, they had to make okay. sure one of the corpuses couldn't leave. Because they kept dying <laughs> and disappearing off to the yeah. So that's brilliant. Okay, I um, well, I'll take it all back. That's fantastic. <laughs> so did, what, did you know how Kinley? How did Kinley die? Did that? Yeah, I wrote that down. Um, I think Lucy and I discussed it, but it was it was a really irrelevant death. It yeah. was like oh, a okay. game that went wrong in a back alley. I wanted his death to be insignificant um, because I didn't want him to be some sort of heroic hero of legend. He was just a ghost because he had screwed up. Cool. Yeah. Mm. How about Mark? Well, um, 
yeah, I had, I, yeah, I had quite like a backstory for Mark. And I think he, um, it was interesting that like, I, I think in my head, he would have been a bit less, um, like one thing I really liked, and you only kind of discover this stuff through playing is in my head, I thought Mark would be a bit more kind of, ca a bit calmer, a bit more kind of like, <laughs> didn't really have like much to prove, was just looking for like a quiet, a quiet accumulation of power in Cheltenham. And I liked how in playing, he kind of unraveled a bit. <laughs> and just, did. yeah. And, and like this like kind of like ego, egotistical nature of him where like, he wasn't like a bad guy. He just kind of like, no. he wanted to make a name for himself. And, and the idea that like, he was only barely like holding it together, <laughs> like as, <laughs> as everything kind of went wrong around him. But no, I had I had this. Uh, Lucy was very accommodating in this because uh, I had this whole idea that in this world, wizards had to have like a patron, like they had to like um, draw, like um, your surname was basically the name of like your patron. So you had to take a magical name, and I had this whole story where Mark actually comes from quite a powerful magical family. Uh, they're kind of like. Um, old money kind of like really like um the kind of like lord of the manor kind of thing and um right. the idea is that like he he kind of like fled the family uh because he didn't want to be kind of like um uh, under uh, controlled by them so he ended up um coming to cheltenham because cheltenham was like a growing magical city had like a, a magical town had like a lot going for it and his <laughs> ultimate goal of kind of like gaining Cheltenham as like his patron was kind of like what he was angling for. Oh. But because he was like an outsider who'd moved to Cheltenham, the only spirit he'd been able to kind of like connect with was Honeyborn. And so like he was the only devotee of Honeyborn who <laughs> Honeyborn didn't have any people. Nobody lived on Honeyborn. Honeyborn was like a remnant of an, a small village which got absorbed into Cheltenham. So he 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 kind of like was just on his own kind of like moving between the the larger the larger kind of factions and um hence's kind of need to prove himself but we had a whole thing about like um one of his debts is to a cousin of his so uh he uh he basically like had his cousin disappear him like his cousin kind of like helped him get away and move to a new town and of course that never came up, but yeah. like wow. the idea was that he owed a debt to his cousin and there was always this threat that like his family might, might kind of find, find him. him. Yeah. And, uh, oh, and also there was a random homeless guy who lived on the Honeybourne who, ha who owed Mark a debt because, uh, he had a magical artifact, which he needed hiding. And Mark I, was. I was keeping... so surprised that you didn't ever go to try and get that. Like... <laughs> <laughs> I yeah, I guess Mark kind of forgot. Uh, maybe <laughs> like down the line. Uh, but yeah, it was basically like Mark was keeping it safe, and um, I guess we'll save that for the continued adventures of <laughs> of Mark and Caesar. Yeah, Cheltenham nights, 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 <laughs> Cheltenham days, Cheltenham days. Z. Z. <laughs> yes. Uh, Caesar. <laughs> Yeah, so Caesar didn't have anything kind of like as major as that. It wasn't really a plot point, but um, one of the reasons that he woke up in a um, graveyard at the end oh, yes, was that yeah. it was one of the places that he was, um, 
in a small way connected to in Cheltenham. So um, having arrived in the town only a few weeks before the events of this podcast took place, um, he was very much sort of in the unfamiliar, didn't know anyone, didn't really know where he was. Um, but one of the places that caught his eye was a spire in the distance. Uh, so he walked towards that and it was a church. And so he had very much made a sort of, I don't call it a friend because I don't feel like Caesar really makes friends. Um, <laughs> but, <laughs> no. but he had um, befriended the local um, priest uh, and yeah, he enjoyed talking with him. Uh, he en enjoyed listening to what someone else, how someone interpreted life and um, the other planes of existence. He found that quite entertaining in a probably very insulting way. <laughs> if, he'd actually, if he'd actually told him, uh, it, he found it quite funny. But um, yeah, he sort of found, uh, 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 I wouldn't call it home because he didn't live in there, but he felt at home in that church and talking with um, Father Billy O'Dwyer, <laughs> which is actually a name taken from Father Ted. <laughs> um, yeah, and it was just someone that, because being, a, being an air elemental fae, he can often pass by unnoticed by people. He's quite... You know, like the ethereal. breeze, he'll just, yeah, quite ethereal. And so he he enjoyed someone, uh, speaking with someone that noticed him and he could have a conversation with. Uh, and so that's why he woke up in the graveyard at the end is because that's where he sort of gravitates to. Okay, that's cool. Yeah. I did find it very interesting how all of you in your like character creation came up with NPCs that none of you went to find. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yeah, it's like, uh, the closest, very true the closest you ever got was at least you went to the frog and fiddle like, yes. yes but you know but, but the landlord wasn't there yeah. i was expecting him to be there but uh but yeah of course with everything that was happening he yeah. wouldn't have been um, the lesson here is don't bother with backstories yeah. <laughs> no. it's funny isn't it i guess when you're writing your characters like story you're thinking of like supporting characters and stuff and then when you get into the game you've got the other players yeah and it's like yeah. oh there we go <laughs> done no i think it's really good to have yeah, yeah you never so. know where the story's going to take you. Oh yeah, and it, like you can just throw in little details, can't you? It just nods yeah. to it. And it, yeah, and, exactly. it, and it means our characters had a life before this adventure. Yeah, and and yeah. kind of have a life after it, I suppose. It gives mm -hmm. them a richness, doesn't it? Which is which is really really cool. Yeah. But um, awesome. Well, that was yeah, that was a good little thing. I think like exploring all the all the behind the scenes ideas for our characters. Uh, Lucy, were were there any like character types? that you thought we might choose or we didn't or because obviously I was, wizard yeah, what, ghost what and were there? spirit well i mean I, obviously i i ruled out vampires and werewolves um yes much to my annoyance yes. i was desperate to be a sexy <laughs> vampire <laughs> i just I felt like to be a sexy werewolf <laughs> the way that the way that they were described they just didn't fit with the Cheltenham that i wanted to kind of like present i felt mm. like the whole, i think that's fair the yeah. Whole yeah fairies thing worked much better um, Definitely. So the other ones were um, the aware, which I thought might one of you might go for, which is just basically a mortal person who has become aware of a of the the weirdness around them, but doesn't necessarily have any abilities. They have to kind of okay. balance their real life with knowing about this extra stuff. So, so sorry, what can the aware do then? Do they have like they they basically they have a gun? They're like um. What? I guess the best description is like a, yeah, it's like a detective, <laughs> like an old school kind of detective. It's like they, oh uh, right. It, it says in here that they're often um, 
often were a first responder of some kind. So just in some way, they see the dark underbelly of whatever world they're in. So they're probably, you know, a paramedic, a policeman, you know, they work Uh, in in that sort of underground somewhere. Mm. Or, you know, they could be connected to um, big organisations like a church or a charity, something like that, that lets them... Like see a lot, see of a lot of the world and a lot of people. Mm. Um, in terms of like, yeah, actually doing stuff. Uh, it was, yeah, snooping. There's one called did your homework, uh, which means <laughs> which gives you like a bonus on put a face to a name, so you know people a lot. Um, I know a guy, which is one you never use. Where it's like hit the streets, which basically means when all else fails, go and talk to people in the streets to see what's going on. Ah. Um, ah. Uh, I brought friends. Uh, which is uh, a new t- type of cashing in a debt, which can mean someone can come back you up in a dangerous situation. Um, and then it's stuff like sharpshooter and hard-boiled, which is like, yeah, again, just it's that kind of detective noir. Oh, okay, sort of okay. Um, then you've got the hunter, who is another mortality one. Um, and the hunter is, it's like a vampire hunter. They're, they're someone okay. who's been hurt somehow by something and they're taking revenge. Um, and they're also, they, they're, they're, so as with all the mortality one, it's about balancing their real life with their drive for, you know, finding whoever hurt them or, you know, repaying whatever you know, debt they feel that the world has to them. Um, then you've got the veteran, who is someone who's... I thought that was a really interesting one. And I thought, yeah, that was a possibility that someone might pick. Someone who's done this before and got out and is now being dragged back in by the new situation. Um, that's cool yeah it's like mm. i've retired and yeah now i'm back yeah. i think um, my fear of choosing characters like that is that in game there's an expectation that i would know what was going on yeah <laughs> <laughs> and so i always shy away from those characters because it's like i'm not gonna know what's going on uh then obviously we've got the uh oracle which is the other the other power option um, mm. So like the, 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 the counterpart to the wizard. Um, and the oracle is all about knowing things. It's about being um, it's about being able to sort of find information supernaturally. So mm. yeah, it's you have moves like um, being able to find history of an object. Like when you have an object, you can like psychically tell what it, where it came from, what it's from, who owns it. Um, uh, you can advance, let it out to hit all characters that are currently in your presence. Um, Would that include friends as well as foes? It, yeah, it just says all characters. Everyone. So, yeah. Um, you could take mortality as a second faction. So you could have things from mortality as well as from um, power. Okay. Uh, and you, I think you also got, this is the one where you got a prophecy move at the start of each session you get to make a prophecy ah, that's like the podcast yeah. we've listened to isn't it yeah. with um with monster of the week uh yeah. and then the only other one is the tainted which is basically the demon version of the fae so um oh, right, kind of okay. kind of similar but coming from a different source um there was also yeah. a lot more like the tainted was um much more the idea that it, you were a human who was who'd made a deal with the devil rather than necessarily where the fae left it a lot more open to are you a fae creature that's taking on human form or are you a human yeah. that's you know in with the fae um so yeah so those were kind of the other options i i, I said i think veteran was probably the one where i thought someone might pick it up but, yeah, otherwise yeah. i think it all worked out fine 
<laughs> I didn't. I remember when I flicked through them the first time. Like the first thought I had was Ghost. Uh, Venture, and <laughs> yeah. I just I just went with that. I was just like, yes, that's what I want to be. <laughs> well, maybe if if we ever return to the world of Cheltenham Knights, I mean, maybe it'll be with new characters. I mean, maybe well, technically Nick... Kinley's a wizard now. Yes, true, but also like deep in the past. Yeah. So I guess like whether he's still around is is a question. Which did but, surprise um, me. I had to say, like, I wasn't expecting you to go for that. Um, really? Yeah. Like, I I thought you would. I thought you'd come up with some other way around it. But then once you were like, no, I'm staying here. I'm like, okay, yeah, sure. That kind of actually uh, fits with Kinley's arc. Like, you wanted to, you wanted to live again or to be free. You know. That was week. it. Yeah. <laughs> like, for me, it made the most sense that he would like. This is an opportunity for him to almost have a second chance a second mm. life mm. um and yeah and it does he, mean I, that I think all also... of donald corpus's terrible poetry came from you <laughs> yep i it's like it a back to the sense. future situation <laughs> yeah. now it's like the, the corpus family is a closed loop now yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh no it's like and if we go back and really closely examine that poetry it's a lot of portly pete lyrics like uh, <laughs> And if we if we go back and look at Portly Pete's like history, you'll realise that he read a lot of Corpus poetry back in his uh, early days, and that's where all that flavours in. You see, <laughs> um, I'd be keen to know each of your favourite moments. Oh, that's difficult. I um, mean, I I not to be like too because because there were so many moments which weren't about combat, but yeah. at the same time, like. On the one hand, I felt we really started like when we when we assaulted like Eagle Star Tower, like <laughs> I felt like we were really starting to kind of like gel as a as a as a team, yeah. And that was kind of fun. But I've got to say, like just the final fight, like yeah. it was so climactic, and mm-hmm. it shouldn't all be about combat, but actually just having like this epic fight at the end was it's, very cool. It's the- yeah, it's the big sort of climax finale, isn't it? That that and it kind of really does have to be a showdown. And I think, like, I honestly think that was probably the best final boss I've ever done in any tabletop <laughs> RPG ever. Like, genuinely, it was it was ace. And um, I think one of my favourite moments is in that fight, which is when Kinley went corporeal and just punched <laughs> punched them in the face. Like, I just think that was really good. <laughs> It was like that. it. It was such a gamble because Mark had started out rolling really well and always having like magic, and then just went through this real dry patch in the middle where it was just awful. <laughs> yeah. Like just had nothing. You were clearly then, getting tired. Like you've been up for a long time by that point. That's true. Yeah, he needed coffee. Tired. He really needed coffee. And then just in that <laughs> final fight, like to get like the full complement of spells, and then just taking that complete punt on. I can either do magic or I can deliberately game the system and try to do let it out knowing that if i get a partial success i'll top up my corruption <laughs> and just the moment that happened i was like oh hot damn yes so good it was so good it was just let like, the corruption wash over you yeah, <laughs> yeah and it was just perfect and then suddenly getting like that upon a white horse ability and just being able to like upon a pale horse and just being able to like ruin people was just incredible yeah because you could get their name couldn't you and yeah. then you could like yeah that was very very cool um yeah. I loved in that fight. I don't know if you added this on purpose, Lucy. The organ. Oh my god! No, the, the organ, organ is genuinely there. So, I... okay, <laughs> yeah, I enjoyed being able to like blast yeah. the organ with. Yeah, with that air. was nice. that was cool. But my, um, I think one of my other favorite moments is when we were in the clouds in the court of air, and we were in the queue. Yeah. <laughs> yes. That was super. And I think, yeah. Mark, were you almost dead at that point? Yeah. Or you were. Without magic, I think. Well, yeah. I had no magic, and I think I, I. 
Mark kicked you? Didn't didn't Mark like knee season? That like, was it. In the I belly? knew someone was in pain. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and Kinley was just off, you know, just yeah. floating around watching the drama unfold in the main room. Yeah. I, I mean, the court of air was brilliant. Like just the the yeah. the madness that that place was, and the fact that Caesar was just a perfect representation of of that place, like and how it how it all worked. <laughs> I love the juxtaposition, like air flows freely, no boundaries, you know, it just, and then everything is like, is it signed in triplicate? <laughs> Join the queue again. <laughs> oh yeah I, yeah, I did think the Court of Air went really well. I my, I think one of my favourite moments was um, when you Caesar took over the flock of pigeons. Um, yeah. I, and I, yeah, I was, was fun. I was just trying to think of ways of making the other members of the Court of Air, like, obviously more powerful than you. Like that was because I knew that you'd picked up the ability to turn into an animal. So I was like, well, these must have the ability to turn into multiple animals. Now it's a whole flock of pigeons. And now it's flying around the Eagle Star for some reason following Caesar. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. yeah, that fight on the top of the Eagle Star building. Yeah, that was good. That was amazing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you can't beat him, join him. Yeah. So I just became a pigeon as well. <laughs> like, this way. We, we, did, we did ruin one of those elementals didn't we, we like, did. yeah you, you you threw him away he uh his, his hit points went to zero he never came back he fell off didn't he Oof. did he fall off there yes yeah, yeah i think well, it was you 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 did some attack to him and i just interpreted it as he's gone away now well caesar yeah. didn't, <laughs> he's gone away. didn't caesar make him didn't caesar didn't you make one of them turn on the other like you did something yes. that made yeah. them like angry to each other yeah i can t- with the power of touch i can make someone feel an emotion towards someone else so yeah i think i can't remember if it's anger or jealousy or something but I, yeah i made one re- very resentful towards the other and uh let's not forget whistler and peach as oh, well yeah. oh, oh my yeah. god yeah. the real breakout star of the- <laughs> <laughs> maybe if we do another series of cheltenham nights we could oh. have a veteran that works for whistler and peach oh, i like it i like it a lot yeah Oh, we should. Or the security guard from uh, Eagle Scout Tower. He's gonna have a wear. Like he's seen. Yeah. He's seen. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Like he seems to be. They could team up. Oh my god. <laughs> one's called Whistler and one's called Peach. Yes, I think from from my point of view, there's some some stuff that I really wish I'd been able to fit in more. Like I wanted to fit in more of the depths. Um, yes, so I think that it, 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 they kind of make a big deal of the sort of web of debt in the book, um, mm. and I felt like I, I, I mean, I managed to get Woodchi back for at least one, um, but obviously Marco's two to her, and I was, I was really trying to think of some other way that I could get Woodchi like involved in the final fight, like, but it's like no, because that wouldn't be Woodchi doesn't want to be involved, you know? It's like they, mm. she's not going to call in the debt for that. Um, mm. And yeah, it's just um, obviously like John, you had a bunch of different debts for Mark, um, including well, was... to like a mafia boss. I think one of them was, wasn't it? <laughs> well, I think that was my cousin. I think that was uh... a guy who had helped me get a new identity. But like, I owed him a debt. Mm. Um, Kay owed Mark a debt, uh, and I was you able to cash that in. Yeah, I yeah. did cash that in. Yes, yeah, so I was able to make her go and help out the borough. Yes, that's true. Yeah, which was, which was something. Hmm. But Mark, every single like time, it's... like can, every single time Caesar used magic, it, you were kind of meant to be ramping up the debts to to Queen Air and Tempest. Nah, just chose corruption. Instead. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, I feel like it's something that in a longer game, you know, if we played for a year, you would call back to someone you met six months ago that owes you a debt and you call them in. I feel like within sort of 10 episodes, it didn't really have a chance to come into play, did it? But yeah, it was very much one mission that took place over about 24 hours, wasn't it? So like for, for all these debts to surface in that time, probably just isn't especially realistic. But um, but no, it was it was still great. I mean, it was awesome. Mark did give the Eagle Tower to the court of air, uh, the court of Earth, so I don't really yeah. know <laughs> yeah. quite what that means in the long run. That would be really if we did return to it. It would be really fun if that like that entire building was now completely owned and filled with a different kind of business entirely. That would be really good. <laughs> I would like to come back to this world at some point. It was a lot of yeah, fun. Yeah, so would I. So would I. The world of Cheltenham. If only we could visit again. <laughs> <laughs> I think it is It is kind of like, it is weirdly um, appropriate that this is the story, because this is the story I had planned the whole time, but this is the story we end up playing during lockdown. Like, yeah. It is interesting, isn't it? Yeah, we, <laughs> can't, we can't go, out go into, into, into real town. <laughs> so instead we go out into fictional Cheltenham. That's, I mean, I'm uh, pretty sure what's point. been going on in this podcast is probably quite similar to what's going on yeah, out there. Yeah. How could we know? We wouldn't know. It's exactly. maybe worse. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, do you guys have um, anything else you want to raise? Anything anything else you want to ask about? Or I think I think that's good. I mean, yeah. I think like we've done a really good job of like summing everything up in terms of how we felt about the system, how we played it, and the things that we that we saw. We could we could sort of round this off with talking about what's coming. Yeah, next, that's I what guess. I was thinking. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, well. Um... We are going to be returning to the world of First Flight. Uh, I'm quite, I'm quite excited to see all your characters again because I, I think as you said earlier, Nick, like we we have maybe all grown as role players, as kind of people. Oh yeah, and I got to say, like one of the best things to come out of this arc, I think, has been the character stuff. Like actually, yeah, role playing, building a story that way. Because yeah, that's been a that's been a big like. That's really broken down some barriers for me. It's been it's been fantastic. It has for me as well. It has for me, and it, and yeah. it's got me thinking about what I want to to do with Capella on more of a you know I've I've been thinking so much for Capella of her as a as a fighter and what she can do in combat, but I don't think I've put as much time and effort as I should have done into her as a character. So that's something I've been putting some head time into. Well, like when we did, because obviously when we did um, all that glitters, like you were all fantastic, like you were all amazing, and I think like. That was with a slightly broken gameplay system because we sure. there were like problems which were still kind of lingering. So I'm on the one hand, I'm quite excited just to roll out this more streamlined way of playing, but also like I yeah, you you did a really good job despite that. So I I just think that it'll be fun to work with the characters again and and see where you're all going. Um, yeah. I have, I would, I because Ali, I know you, you're looking into Humblewood as yes. a, as a new thing to try, which is going to be which is a D and D sort of, I don't know, plug-in, plug-in. I guess, yeah. yeah. It's like D and D meets Redwall, isn't it? We're yes. all playing as yes. like <laughs> forest animals. Um, so I'm, I, I would like to do two shorter cuckoo's campaigns if that uh-huh. if that's all right so rather than sure. okay rather than like the kind of 10 10 part thing which we've kind of been working on i'd like to def really try to run a couple of more condensed storylines to... i'm sure we'll find a way to make it to drag it out. yeah i'm sure we'll find yeah, a way we'll drag to it out. that idea yeah. well we'll drag it out john don't worry i guess we'll see how the first one goes 
but yeah. um but yeah i was wondering ali if we could do a couple of the um a couple of adventures with um first flight and then go into humblewood if you if sure. that, if that yes. works for you the longer the delay the better because oh. i am terrified of dming i have never done it before i've already written my character i'm fine no, wait, so, hang on though. Is John saying that we're going to do one short one and then go straight into Humblewood? No, no, no I was I, I was thinking two short ones. Fine, fine, fine. Sorry, okay. And I was he, about to yeah. say, Ali, that might be sooner than you think. <laughs> yes, and, no, please, please take all the time you need. Well, like I said, we, we do have a tendency to overrun anyway, so it might be a little longer, but yeah. If I, you need... I was not expecting this to go for like 10 episodes. <laughs> oh, nothing happens as quickly as, as you imagine it's going to. Um and also, Ali, if you if you do need more time, just let me know because we can okay. we can easily make. I, I've got sure. tons of stuff in the bank. So I mean, it's the kind of thing that I work to deadlines. So if you say I've got a year, I will wait until eleven months' time to do to plan <laughs> it. If you say I've got, if you say I've got a month, I'll start planning now. So. <laughs> awesome. Um, but yeah, so that I mean, you know, I've I'm I'm doing the prep for the next cuckoo's adventure um can you give us a clue can you give us a word uh, I, can, like, a I can give you yeah. a title it's called uh, it's called deep waters Ooh. so i think uh, basically i want the reason for doing these short campaigns is i want to have you all uh explore a little bit like the whole point of mm. having like a multiverse to play with is that you get to see different worlds uh yeah. so I think we're going to go on a bit of like a magical mystery tour of like a, a few different places, spend a little less time in each. At the same time, there's going to be some kind of like subplots developing, which I think we will persist over multiple mini campaign, uh, multiple campaigns, basically. So, yeah, awesome. we're starting to lay a bit of groundwork for the characters now. And I think certainly like all that glitters, like you met some players which might kind of have... Hmm implications for you all in the long run so well certainly with how it ended as well with yeah. the big cliffhanger at the end so yeah i feel like Ritual definitely has a sparkle fury poster up in his room that he's just been throwing things at like, <laughs> it's got like stab wounds in it from his heart from his spear <laughs> i i think i will contact you all independently uh in secret uh certainly not on air uh to um have a little chat about your characters because if the three of you want to give some thought as to things your characters might be, you know, kind of worried about or seeking to achieve, that mm -hmm. sort of thing. Like, I know I've obviously got a vague idea, but I have some ideas about things that could be, you know, interesting to play out for, like, your personal arcs as well. Mm -hmm. Cool. Sure. Okay. Yeah, cool. Sounds good. Awesome. Well, I think yeah. I think that's, yeah, I'm looking forward to diving diving back in. Yeah, me I'm, too. I'm, Very I'm, much yeah. so. Yeah. Very happy to hand the reins back over. <laughs> <laughs> I should say, Lucy, you did an amazing job. You like, did. Yeah, you really did. You did a fantastic job. It was awesome. It, was it so went much better fun. than I expected. So. <laughs> <laughs> That's the optimism. <laughs> cool. Oh, well. Have we said everything we need to say? I, I think, think so. so. I think we have, yes. Yeah. Uh, so thank you for listening, everybody. Thank you for uh, joining us on this wacky mystery tour of Cheltenham. Uh, I know John and I have been talking about maybe doing a little video tour of all the locations uh, that turned oh, up. Oh, that'd be cool. That's yes. a good idea. Um, although uh, I doubt we'd get permission to film inside the ladies' college, considering uh, we've destroyed it. Um, so yeah, <laughs> we'll, we'll, they find we'll, out what we did. We'll then. see what we can manage. Um, and yes, we will see you again in two weeks' time for Deep Waters, was it? Deep Waters, yeah. yeah. First deep flight, waters. Deep Waters. Bring which we trunks. will also be playing on Roll20. <laughs> 
So uh, for the first yes. time, we have our own custom dice and system on Roll20. So that's going to be exciting to play with. You're, you're making it yeah. sound far fancier than it actually is. Like I, <laughs> so A lot of jerry-rigging behind the scenes to make it work. So yeah, I, it's going to be fun. I'm excited. Yeah. Cool. Awesome. Well, Looking thanks, everybody. To... And, right, yeah. Uh, see you then. Bye. Bye, Bye everyone. Bye. Bye.